athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Thank you for making Box to Row Radio and Sirius XM channels 141 and 142 a part of your day. I am your host, Donald Ware. We've got a good show lined up for you today. We're going to we got some really good guests lined up for you today as well. And so we'll talk a little bit more about those guests. We're getting down. First of all, when you look at the NBA, we're about 14 or 15 games through the season. That means we played about 17% or so of the season already. It's 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 kind of I don't want to say it's interesting when you look at the NBA, right? While the NFL is kind of going on, it, the NFL is more of the showcase. I mean, you're going to have some NBA games that are going to be really, really good, some nationally televised games that are going to be really, really good. But at the end of the day, it's really all about the National Football League. It's 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 a lot about college football. So next thing you know. We're 16% of the way through the season. Now, once the National Football League ends, it, it, it's to me, and it? maybe this is just me, things sort of start to slow down. There's more of a focus on the NBA, and so things start to kind of slow down a little bit. It's almost like an out-of-sight, out-of-mind type of situation. But when you look at the NBA right now, I mean, you've got a lot of drama with the Nets. I mean, I, I guess that's really no surprise when you really – Think about it in some of the comments that Kevin Durant has made. Now, you know, you, you look at the Kyrie Irving situation, Ben Simmons not ready to play like it's a mess. And I think we knew it was going to be a mess coming into the season. But listen, you, you never, when you have three very, very good players when they're good, and Kevin Durant has been really, really good. This season, I mean, Kevin Durant has been very good this season. He's had no help, which led to him to make the comment. I mean, basically, he, in essence, talked about some of the players on the team and to the point said, I mean, how can I? I mean, in essence, is what he said. I'm not quoting him or not. I'm, I'm not quoting what was written that he said. But I mean, in essence, he's saying, I mean, I'm doing what I can. You know, we need Kyrie. We need Ben Simmons. Right, Kyrie still suspended. Ben Simmons still not right, still not ready to play. And it, it, it's just been a frustrating situation for Kevin Durant, an unfortunate situation, but part of it is his doing. I mean, part of it is his doing. I mean, listen, let me take you back. When Kevin Durant made the decision to leave, and it was his decision because he was a free agent, to leave Golden State to join Kyrie in Brooklyn 
that, I mean, obviously that was his decision, but let me go back even more than that when he left OKC to join Golden State. I had no issue. I know a lot of people had a lot of issue with that. I had no issue with that for a number of different reasons. Number one, maybe he didn't have the greatest of relationships with Russell Westbrook, number one. Number two, to that point, they had made some strides. They had gotten to an NBA Finals, couldn't get it done. They got to an, a Western Conference Finals. As a matter of fact, if I remember one year, they had like a 3-1 to one lead in the Western Conference Finals over Golden State. If I'm not mistaken, I may be, but could not get it done. And that had kind of run its course. But then they also had a couple of years where they were really good. Kevin Durant got injured in the playoffs one year. Russell Westbrook got injured in the playoffs another year. So they had the run. It just didn't work out. There was an opportunity. Golden State had lost the finals, and Golden State did have the 3-1 to lead against Cleveland, lost the finals in 2016, said, KD, we need you. And it was a win-win situation as far as I'm concerned. Kevin Durant, needed Golden State because Kevin Durant needed that championship or needed those championships that he was not going to get and hadn't gotten to that point at OKC. Golden State needed Kevin Durant because Golden State, while winning 73 games in the regular season, could not get it done in the playoffs. That's one. Let me take you back to the year before that in 2015 while Golden State did win the championship. LeBron James with the Cavaliers was in much a a situation like Kevin Durant currently is in. Speaking about the NBA Finals, no Kyrie Irving, no Kevin Love. Both of those guys were hurt. And isn't it ironic that Kyrie Irving is sort of the linchpin between LeBron's situation and Kevin Durant's situation. So, but my point is, Golden State barely got past LeBron and company with Cleveland in 2015. So my thought was, you lose in 2016, can you really win without a KD in 2017? We'll never know because KD ended up joining. So it was a win-win. You, you, you can criticize... And I don't, I don't want to rehash that. You, you can criticize Kevin Durant all day for going to Golden State. At the end of the day, he wasn't a, he wasn't a hanger-on. He led that team to two NBA championships. And further, the year that he got hurt in the finals with the Achilles, Golden State lost the championship, okay? So enough said, right? Let's fast forward to now. A lot of this is KD's doing. And, by the way, he signed the four-year deal, tried to force his way out, didn't work. So now he's got to play or he doesn't get paid. And he's got to, it would have an a, a even worse reputation. So a lot of moving parts here. But the bottom line is the Nets are playing terribly right now, okay? I look at the Bucks. The Bucks have gotten off to a really, really good start. And still playing some pretty good basketball, but it's lost a couple of games Along the way, the Celtics have been pretty steady. You know, you look at the Cavaliers with the with the addition of of Mitchell, right? So even even you know you you've got some pretty good ball that's going on. Even though even the Wizards are you know right there at five hundred or so. So 
it, you know, it's been a good, you know, season to this point in the East. But again, we're we are already, already, seventeen percent through the NBA season. National Football League. Wow, what a game between Buffalo and Minnesota! I had a chance to watch that game last Saturday, or excuse me, last Sunday. That was a phenomenal football game between two heavyweights. And I'm calling Minnesota heavyweight. Minnesota's got a good football team. I've never been the biggest fan of Kirk Cousins, but he's got some weapons and he is delivering the football. He's one of the top 10 quarterbacks right now in the National Football League. That defense is doing enough. He's got weapons. It's a really good football team. And how about that win by the Washington Commanders on Monday night against the Eagles? That was a huge win for the Washington Commanders. Uh, listen, the the Eagle, we can talk about a number of different things from that game. You can talk about the non-face mask call and all of that. At the end of the day, you don't let, if you're the Eagles, you don't let a team like the Commanders kind of hang around. Now, of course, the Commanders, not a bad football team, been playing some really good defense ever since the Eagles, when, that, when the Eagles debacle, starting with the Dallas game, even though it was a loss, from that game, up until this point, the commanders have been playing some really, really good defense. So, I mean, I, I think you got to give them uh, a lot of credit and have put themselves back in, ter- in the NFL or the, the, the NFC wild card rate. So, you got to give them uh, a lot of credit. Just a lot of, you know, just a lot going on. And uh, the NFL obviously hot and heavy as we stand right now. And for a second, getting back to the NBA, I mean, I think my MVP. As we're, as I've mentioned, like 17% through the regular season would be Luka Doncic. I mean, he is having an absolutely phenomenal season. 34.4 points per game is what he's averaging. 7.8 points per game, 8.8 rebounds. He's been clutch. Uh, he's really taking his game to another level. You And this is the thing about it. He played a lot of ball in Europe in the summertime and I mean I think he's gotten better for it I mean his game has I mean even from last year and you know he's really really good last year I mean his game has grown exponentially even from last year so he would be my MVP to this point in the NBA season so let me set the table for you today in terms of guests here on the program we're going to talk some HBCU football. Howard, head football coach Larry Scott, going to join us on the program. Now, North Carolina Central has wrapped up to play in Atlanta at the end of the season on December the 19th against the winner of the SWAC. But the Bison have an opportunity to gain a share of the MEAC championship with a victory over Morgan State on Saturday in Baltimore. So you're talking about uh, a, a, the Eagles and Bison perhaps being tied for or getting a share of the MEAC championship. That's huge for the Bison because it hasn't been a great season, although the Bison has won three of its last four ball games. Also joining us today here on the program, Fayetteville State head football coach Richard Hayes. Finally, Broncos winning CIAA championship with the victory over Shawan. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the program as we roll on 
this weekend prior to Thanksgiving. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days. All in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. That's 800-507-3116. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. They say fifth time's the charm, and that is the case for the Fayetteville State Broncos. Five straight CIAA championship appearances. The previous four times unable to win. This time it was different. Last Saturday, 31-28 over Shawan. A game-winning field goal was the difference for the Broncos. In his seventh season as the head football coach at Fayetteville State is Richard Hayes, who joins us here on the program. The Broncos are going to take on Delta State in the first round of the Division II playoffs on Saturday. Coach Hayes, congratulations, and welcome back to the program. Thanks so much, Don. I really appreciate it, and I'm glad to be speaking to you at this point in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like I said, fifth time's the charm, man. You got it done. You know, your thoughts on the way your team played uh, against Shawan in the CIAA championship game? Well, first, I, you know, like I've always said, I'm, I'm going to give Coach Hall and Shawan much props, man. He's a really good offensive mind, and he had us on the ropes there a couple of times early in the first half. Uh, we went in at halftime and made a few adjustments, um, and we were able to, you know, slow them down a little bit, get the ball back a few times, and outscore them 17-7 to in the second half and win the CIAA championship. And so really proud of my guys the way they fought for 60 minutes 
really proud of Sean, uh, him, Andrew, my kicker. Uh, he did an outstanding job, the long snapper, Malachi Court, the older Jacob Young, and the offensive line for protecting it. Uh, he hit a 43-yard field goal in the Devil State Broncos on the CIAA championship. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, take us through what was going through your mind when all you know it's so everything has to go right. The snap, the placement, the hold, all of the hold and the kick, all of those. What was going through your mind as that was developing? Um, I knew everything was perfect, man. Those guys practice hard every day. That's something we focus on every day at the beginning of practice. Is PAT field goal. We went out and recruited us a. A very good long snapper in Malachi Cole. He's a freshman. He's he short snaps and long snaps. Um, Jacob is a fifth-year senior. He's our punter. Um, him and Sean are best of friends, um, and, and they connect, and, and they, they know what they need to do to get things done in the PAT field goal unit, and they executed it. They did. I got to take you to that last drive. You get the ball on the 47, two minutes and 19 seconds remaining you gotta you gotta convert a fourth down fourth and four on that drive and you do speak to that I mean that was key in terms of that obviously that drive continuing leading to the game-winning field goal well yeah um it's one of the oddball formations we have called duck um we send half the line one way and the other half the other way and it's actually where the tight end is the snapper he's an eligible receiver and we have a receiver beside him um, most of the time it's an illusion, and most of the people are going to rush four people right at the quarterback, not realizing that the two guys in front of them are eligible. Um, DeMar made a great read. He threw it out to Eli. Eli gave a, a 110% effort to try to get that first down. He got the first down. And uh, then I think DeMar made another pass to Cam Hanson, our tight end, uh, and, and we got it within that 30-yard line range. And uh, from there we just knew Elton was going to hit it. Yeah, and he ultimately did. Damari Daniels, speak to his play in this game, 12 of 24, 188 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He also had 43 yards rushing on the ground. Well, man, for a kid that didn't start playing in college until the sixth game of the season, um, and, and, and for a kid that has been sharing time with another young quarterback for the last six or seven games, uh, that kid showed a lot of poise in, the, in that moment, in that big moment in the CIAA championship game. Um, we made a decision early to go ahead and, and, and kind of let him take over it in that game. Uh, we we spot played Caden a little bit. Caden ended up, Caden Davis ended up coming in, scoring a touchdown uh, to tie the game up. Uh, but Demar Daniels uh, did some special things uh, with the football in his hands. He he managed the offense. He did have that one turnover, but I was proud of him because they blitzed him on that play, and he stood in there, took the hit, and threw the ball. Um, that's something we hadn't been seeing out of our quarterbacks, um, and that's kind of one of the reasons why we made the change in the first place. Uh, but he's a poised young man. He comes from a great family man. He's a super great kid, always has the same smile on his face, never seen him frustrated or rattled, um, and he's a, you know he, he won MVP of the game. So I'm really proud of that kid. Richard Hayes in his seventh season as the head football coach at Fayetteville State joins us here. On the program, the Broncos are CIAA champions for the first time since 2009. You know, we've talked for many years here on the program, and you've continued to elevate the program. One of the things I always used to talk with you about maybe in terms of concerns you may have had was on the defensive side of the football. That just has not – I mean, the defense has played lights out, 
And you mentioned Shawan having a high-octane offense. I mean, yeah, 28 points, but in totality, only 266 yards of total offense for the Hawks in the game. But your defense has been playing similar to this all year. Speak to how well your defense has played. Well, first, you know, most of the credit goes to Coach Dominique Anderson, um, James Lott, and Jada Brown, my defensive, defensive staff, those guys work tirelessly to make sure those guys on defense understand the game plan each and every week. You know, we always have been a bend but don't break defense. Um, these guys this year, we have a, a totally different cast of characters. I think we have two seniors on this defense being Brandon Barnes-Brown and Kenny Merritt, our free safety. Uh, besides that, everybody's coming back. We we're relatively young. Uh, we, we filled some holes with a couple transfer kids. Uh, we had a defensive tackle that was a red shirt last year that, that came out of nowhere and surprised us. And Anthony Benyard, he uh, eventually won a starting role. He's a very dominant young man from out of Winston-Salem. And, man, those guys just came together, and, and, and they came up with this little slogan, it was cold and all this, this summer. And they they stuck together, and they fight together, and they believe in each other. And, you know, sometimes it don't, you know, sometimes teams can move the ball on them, but ultimately they keep teams out the box. I mean, we've given up. Uh, 30 points one time this year, uh, and that was the Virginia Union, uh, 31-28. And so those guys have been playing hard all year and solid defense all year, and, and we look forward to continuing that this Saturday. Richard Hayes, the head football coach at Fayetteville State, joins us here on the program. I think we talked last year and maybe in 2019, and I think one of the questions that I asked you was why Fayetteville State did not make the Division II playoffs uh, it, but, it, but this is the interesting thing. Like, coming to, into that CIAA championship game, you weren't even ranked in the regional. You win that game. I, I you know, I. but then all of a sudden, now you're number seven, you get in. Was that a bit of a pleasant surprise? Were you expecting to get into the playoffs this year? Well, I knew we were right there on the cusp. Um, the week before, we were in at number 10. Uh, some, some of them had us at nine. Uh, and then we played uh, Winston-Salem State, which was a team that was under 500. You know, we won 14 to six. So, you know, we 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 were not a very sexy team this year in in, in terms of appeal and what you see. But the numbers don't lie. You know, we won games. Um, so when that final poll came out, and, and you know, we won seven in a row. Uh, we won our conference championship. Uh, we beat a team twice that beat Virginia Union. Um, so. You know, we just left it left it up to the committee, and I kind of had an idea that if we got in the, in the top eight, we would get in, um, and that's kind of the way it should. No doubt about it. Let me let me let me switch gears a little bit on this program. About a, I guess it's been about a month ago, Joshua Williams joined us. He had just made his first start, or, or actually a couple of weeks prior to that, he made his first start um, against Buffalo. Held his own, got his first pick the following week against San Francisco. Speak to what does that mean to you and to the program to have a young man uh, like that that is getting a lot of shine in his rookie season in the National Football League with the Chiefs? Man, we're really proud of Josh and everything he's accomplishing, um, and the way he's handling everything. Man, it just it just shows you that he he learned some lessons under us at Fayetteville State. Um, he's growing up and he's becoming a fine young man. You know, he came home I think when we played Shaw. They had a bye week, and he came and spent the entire weekend with the team. You know, so that just, you know, he could have been doing anything else. 
in the world, but he chose to come back to Fairville State and give his former teammates some of his time, and and we really appreciated that, you know. And he's going to do great things, and, you know, this is just the beginning for Josh, man. Josh is a very talented individual. Richard Hayes, the head football coach at Fayetteville State, joins us here on the program. A couple of more thoughts. Um, your thoughts, uh, Delta State comes in with a record of 10-1, and one, a perennial power. Your, your thoughts on some of the challenges that Delta State presents? Well, number one, you know, Delta State, like you said, they are perennial power. They, um, you know, but this is their first time making the, the D2 playoffs in a few years, I believe, since 2017. So I don't know how many of their guys actually have that type of experience. So that's one of the, the things we're talking about with our guys. Like, we're going in on the same playing field. Um, even though they have the title and, and, and the history of it, you know, none of these guys that, that they have out there now really know anything, you know, know anything about it or have that experience. So that's one of the things we've been talking about. But they have a dynamic offense, man. That quarterback, Patrick Chagog, man, he's a, he just got named Gulf South Offensive Player of the Year. And if you name Player of the Year in that conference, you're pretty good. So we know we're going to have our hands full, man. We've been studying these guys. And we're going to go down there and give it our best shot, man, and, and try to bring us back a W to Fayetteville. Richard Hayes again in his seventh season as the head football coach at Fayetteville State joining us here on the program. The Broncos on the road first round of the Division II playoffs at Delta State on Saturday. Coach Hayes, I'm man, I, I can't say enough. I'm, I'm really proud of you because I know, you know, we go back a long ways. Man, you were out of coaching at one time. Yep. It got your opportunity yep. back with Winston-Salem State, did well there, got the opportunity – with the Broncos, all you needed was a shot, and you've shown what you can do, and and you've, you 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 still got more things to accomplish with the Broncos. But right now, you're CIAA champs and in the Division Two playoffs. Continued success to you and the Broncos. Well, Donald, you know I always appreciate you, man. Thank you for everything you do for me and all the other HBCUs, man. Keep doing your thing, and I'll shout at you later. Richard Hayes is an excellent football coach. I mean, as I mentioned. And we didn't get into it much. I would invite you to check out the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, maybe going back to the beginning, maybe sometime in July when we had Richard Hayes on because we talked with him a little bit more in depth about him. He was out of coaching for a little while, got on the staff at Winston-Salem State under Connell Maynard, became the defensive coordinator, eventually got the job at Fayetteville State and has really taken off a bunch of eight-win seasons. Finally, a CIAA, well, a bunch of uh, CIAA championship game appearances and finally getting over the hump, winning the CIAA championship against Shawan on last week. Their reward, playing Delta State, but they're in. Up next here on the program, Howard, head football coach Larry Scott, joins us to talk Bison football. This is your weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware. First, I'm going to take you to Orangeburg, South Carolina for the matchup between South Carolina State and Howard. There was no score for about 10 minutes in the first quarter, but South Carolina State had possession and was driving. There's a snap from Ethan Franklin. Fake the short pass through the slant. He is caught. Touchdown. George Smith. On the slant, what a throw from Prometheus Franklin. From 23 yards out, the Bulldogs are on the board. And the Bulldogs led 7 to nothing. but on the ensuing possession, the Bison would answer. Quentin Williams wants to hurry, gives it to Hunter again. Over the left side, goes into the end zone for the score. 
Jarrett Hunter from seven yards out, and we were tied at seven apiece. With 9.22 remaining in the second quarter, Howard would get another touchdown, this time on a five-yard run by Casey Hawthorne and led 14-7. Then, inside of two minutes remaining in the second quarter, Howard would add more. Comes pressure. Williams slips it out. Going to be offsides on South Carolina State and a touchdown, touchdown by Howard seven. as Williams completes the pass to Jared Hunter for the score. Ernest Robinson and Bill Hamilton on the Bulldogs football radio network. Jarrett Hunter had three touchdowns in the ball game as Howard defeated South Carolina State 28 to 14. Hunter named the HBCU National Player of the Week. And for Howard, a win next week against Morgan State and the Bison get a share of the MEAC title. Now to Montgomery, Alabama for the matchup between Alabama State and Florida A&M. We're going to pick things up about midway through the fourth quarter with Alabama State trailing 9-7 to seven and Florida A&M punting. And the punt is on. It's blocked. There we go. Blocked. There we go. Here goes ASU. Defense to the end zone. Defense. Phillips on the blocked punt gets into the end zone. Alabama State with the block punt returned 50 yards for a touchdown, and the Hornets had the 14-9 lead. Florida A&M would come right back. Jeremy Musa to Jama Sharid, a 17-yard touchdown pass, 420 remaining in the fourth quarter, and the Rattlers regained the lead at 15-14. Now, very late in the game, score remains 15-14. Alabama State with possession looking to attempt a game-winning field goal. Two seconds left to go, and the kick is up. And the kick is blocked. FAMU, just to put a little salt on the wound, is going to run the football back into the end zone. My goodness. That audio, courtesy of the Alabama State Sports Radio Network, the Rattlers would go on to defeat Alabama State 21-14 and remain in contention for an FCS playoff berth. Now to Greensboro for a Big South matchup between North Carolina A&T and Charleston Southern. We'll pick things up with about nine minutes remaining in the second quarter. Charleston Southern with the 7-0 lead. And Martin's kick is going to be taken by Cook at the five-yard line. Cook to the 20, 25-yard line. He might. He's down the near sideline. One man to beat. He could. He's at the 30, 20, 10. He's in. Touchdown, Aggies. Tamon Cook's 95-yard kickoff return tied the game at seven apiece. Charleston Southern would get a 22-yard field goal with 10.53 remaining in the third to take the 10-7 lead. Then on the ensuing possession, A&T driving at the goal line. Power to the left. The give is to Tootin. Tootin is in. Touchdown, Aggies. Two-yard run for Basial Tootin. And the Aggies have their first lead of the ball game. Yours truly on the Aggie Sports Radio Network. The Aggies would go on to defeat Charleston Southern 20-10. Seventh straight win for the Aggies. Sets up Saturday's Big South Championship game at Gardner-Webb. And in Charlotte. If Carolina tries to blitz here. Yep. Snap. Mariota looks left. Going to launch for the end zone. Wide open. Hodge. Touchdown Atlanta. Former Prairie View AM star Kadario Hodge 
with his first touchdown reception of his career, but the Falcons fell to the Panthers 25 to 15. Box to Row, the radio show, airs weekly on radio stations across the country, as well as on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. To listen to the show or for more information, log on to BoxToRow.com. Let's keep things moving here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his third season as the head football coach of Howard. The Bison have won three of the last four ball games and get this, an opportunity to tie for the MEAC championship this weekend with a victory over Morgan State in Baltimore as Larry Scott, again, the head football coach at Howard, joins us here on the program what's going on coach scott not much not a whole lot just trying to put the finishing touches on this game plan and this uh, preparation for this week's game but um really excited about this opportunity so uh but all is well what an opportunity we got we, we got to start with the opportunity well, well we'll get to the opportunity you've been presented let me start here big win over the defending hbcu national champion south carolina state bulldogs and it wasn't that close 28-14, to 14, your thoughts on the Bison victory? Oh, man, I think uh, it was actually, you know, big. Anytime you get a chance to play the, you know, the defending HBCU champions and, um, and, they, and they come to your home um, and, and you play uh, as well as we did, we still could have cleaned up a few things, but to play as well as we did, is, it's about, you know, the direction that the program is trending. And I, and I think uh, uh, it, it's a huge uh, boost uh, to our morale. It's a huge boost to the kids continuing to believe in the process uh, that what we do uh, is good enough and that it works and that they're good enough. And, and we're finally crossing that threshold of them understanding that we're going to be a championship caliber program here. Uh, we're not just going to put good football teams on the field. We're not going to do that. We're going to give ourselves a chance to build uh, a machine here. Uh, one in which uh, Howard, uh, who's synonymous with excellence and everything else, uh, will be you know synonymous with excellence in football too and year in and year out have an opportunity to compete uh, to, uh, to win a championship. So uh, it was just another step for us uh, in that direction uh, and in believing in our process, who we are, what we do, and how we do it. So uh, it was a huge step uh, for the morale of this program, uh, the morale of this team, uh, and just the continued belief uh, that, we're, um, that we're, we're building exactly what we set out to do. You're 3-1 and one in the last four ball games. What's the difference? Why are you playing much better and so well? Well, I think it's, it's the, it was the whole pro approach to what we were doing. It, it's the build-up, right? When, um, when you're building a program, you, you want it to be process-oriented. And, um, and, I, and I think that's just uh, what our mental approach was each weekend and week out was, okay, we don't lose in our program, we learn. Uh, and then what do we learn? And then you have to take what you've learned and have the ability to apply it uh, so that those things don't keep rearing its ugly head and you keep trying to find out why we keep doing the same things that's causing us to get the same results. Uh, so we've been very much so, you know, processing, um, you know, here's what we did wrong, here's what we can clean up, here's what we did right, uh, but here's where we're going. And then we, we approached our, our five-game, you know, coffin schedule like it was a playoff. Uh, we've learned a lot uh, with everything that we have been through at that time. We were one in five, I think, going into conference play. Uh, but we still had a, a football team that believed. We still had a football team that bought into the process and was improving. You can go back and look at the analytics of the statistics, uh, and see that each and every week, though, from a football perspective, we were getting better. We were cleaning up things. We were one of the least penalized teams in America, uh, one of the best teams in third down, both on offense and defense. 
Um, you know, and in the red zone, we're one of the top rushing and pass efficiency teams in the country, not just only in HBCU and not only just, uh, you know, uh, you know, in our conference, but, you know, all of uh, FCS. So uh, what we were doing was trending in the right direction, uh, and we just needed to, to get over that hump, uh, believe, learn how to finish, um, and then continue to apply the process. So um, that's what it was. It just came to a point to where all of those, that, those learning experiences um, our continued, uh, pres- you know, perseverance towards our goals uh, just started to pay off. And, and now that they're, you know, we're in the situation we're in now, uh, you look up and, hey, we have an opportunity to play for a, a piece of a championship. Um, a year where we've just only just had our first full cycle, where we had a full winter, spring, summer, and a season. So we're truly excited about where we are now, but more importantly, we're fired up about our future. No, I think that's, I think that's interesting because, I mean, you got, you know, you got people like me. Listen, you know, I mean, I grew up in Washington. My father's a, you know, a Howard, um, a Hall of, a Howard Hall of Famer. So I joke with him a lot. But I mean, I got to be honest with you. I mean, you know, first six games, one in five. And prior to the season, I said, okay, every team in the MEAC is going to be better this year. But Coach Scott, the, the, the Bison didn't start out too good, and you guys obviously have come back to that. So, what does it mean now to have put yourself in this position to win a share of the MIAC championship with a win over Morgan State on Saturday? You know, one of the things that we, we're not going to do in our program is make excuses and talk about what should have, would have, could have. Uh, we knew we had a challenge. Then we knew that we were going to be very challenged coming out of the shoot. Um, you know, our first six our first six games were on the road. We didn't play a home game until we got to game almost six or seven of the season where we were playing at home. You know, we were playing two Ivy League schools. We were playing um, an, an FBS program in South Florida. We were playing on the road at Hampton and the MEAC Swag Challenge versus, you know, Alabama State. We knew it wasn't going to be an easy road for us, and all on the road, all with travel. Uh, so, uh, in the end, we knew it, we knew it was going to be tough. Uh, and, but through that, we knew that we had a chance to build build something too. Uh, and, and of course, none of those games were games where we were totally out of uh, any of those uh, games. We were very competitive and had our chances uh, in a number of those games uh, to turn over and have a different result. Uh, so no one completely just kind of manhandled us or or or, or, or blew us out. You know, we were played here or there or two uh, for making you know turning those results into something totally different. So. Uh, we were still on the upswing during those challenging times. And only the people who are in the room going to work every day, day by day, Monday through, through Friday, and getting ready for the game realize that and know that. And what we have to do, we just kept our nose down, stayed to the grind, stayed to the business, and, 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 and relentless pursuit of what it is that we set out to do. Um, and now we look up and we're sitting where we sit because of that true belief, because we knew what we were capable of and continue to believe in that. Uh, and now that we're here, uh, to that point, we, that we're still not satisfied with where we are. And that's that still burning and desire and hunger that's in this program with this young football team. We're only losing, you know, one, guy, one returning starter on defense and one on offense. Uh, you'll, see 90, you'll see 99% of this team return um, in a year, uh, you know, another year, and 85% of it return for the next two years. Uh, so we're super excited about how we've done it because we've done it the right way. We built it the right way. There's no instant transfer fix or However, you know, you know, most people can turn over their roster where they'll have 14, 15, 16 new influx of transfers uh, each and every season. That's not going to be the way that it's done here. We're going to out-develop. We're going to out-coach. We're going to outwork people. Uh, and that may take a little bit of time, uh, but we're, we're, we're super excited about where we are and, like I said, about what our future looks like.
Larry Scott in his third season as the head football coach. And Howard joins us here on Box to Row the Bison with an opportunity for a share of the MEAC championship with a win over Morgan State in Baltimore, the Baltimore-Washington Parkway battle, whatever you want to call it, on this Saturday. So, Jarrett Hunter was the HBCU National Player of the Week, 586 yards rushing this year, five touchdowns, 5.3 yards per carry. Talk about him specifically, but the running game as a whole, Eaton James, Ian Wheeler, Casey Hawthorne, any of those guys can get it done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, just speaking particularly on Jared, Jared's a worker. Uh, Jared is probably one of the most complete football players on our team uh, from just the perspective of his, his football intelligence uh, his, his mental approach towards the game, uh, physical and mental approach towards the game. He's a, he's a worker in the weight room. He's, you know, he's a worker on the practice field. Uh, he's, he's a worker in the classroom. The way that he carries himself uh, as a young man is, is tremendous, uh, tremendous character. Uh, and so there's, there's, there's no mystery as to why he finds himself having success uh, in competitive situations because he, he, he all, he's built that way. He's built for it. Uh, and, you know, I'm super excited that, you know, Jared um, have an opportunity to, to be around Jared, to coach him and, and have him be a part of our program and where we're going. Uh, and, and as for our run game, you know, it starts up front. You can, you can hand the ball to, you know, the greatest back of all time, but if you don't have five guys or six guys or tight ends and other backs in, in front of them that are getting it done up front um, and, and creating those, you know, creating those scenes and those type of things, it, it really doesn't matter. So, uh, for us, it starts with our, you know, our whole line. They, they've been consistent all year. Uh, we've had a couple of injuries and had to develop some depth by moving guys around and playing them at multiple positions. Uh, but that's paid off for us in the end as we continue to build depth and, and build a young offensive line that will return intact uh, again next year. So uh, it starts with them. But then, you know, obviously you hand the ball to some talented guys. Uh, Casey Hawthorne is a, a talented, versatile athlete that, you know, actually plays receiver for us. But when he has the ball in his hand, he runs like a tailback. Uh, but has the skill to play in, you know, on the perimeter. Uh, Eden James is, is young and as talented a back as, you know, I've been around um, that's still growing and developing and finding his way in college football with this transition. But um, sometimes we don't even realize how naturally ta- – he doesn't realize how naturally talented he is and he's just out there uh, making things happen off natural raw ability. And then you have a guy like Ian Wheeler who, you know, has big-time open field speed. He's a, he's a well-put-together back at, you know, 5'11", 6 foot you know, 200 and 205 pounds, but, you know, uh, when in the open field, he's, he's a guy that's capable of running on our catapult GPS. We've clocked him at times of, you know, 22, 21.7, 22 miles an hour. So uh, he's a guy that once he gets in the open field, his speed is his weapon. Uh, but he also can run for speed and balance. Larry Scott, the head football coach at Howard, joins us here on the program. You mentioned the offensive line has only given up eight sacks. Uh, this season, and so let me transition to Quentin Williams, your quarterback. Eight touchdowns to three interceptions in the last four games. Can you speak to how uh, well he's playing? Oh, yeah, he's playing really well. And I think just being able to establish our run game and and create uh, the type of balance that we want to create each and every game on our offense has kind of uh, helped the game kind of come more to him. And, and, you know, he don't have to go attack the game necessarily to, to carry the whole entire burden. Uh, he can sit back and just let the offense come to him and just execute and manage the game uh, the way that we need our field generals to do that. Uh, and I think in these games, he's kind of been able to settle into that when we can get both aspects of what we want to do and how we do things going. Uh, and then definitely we have, you know, the skilled guys and receivers out on the perimeter that can make it happen and get open uh, and those type of things. And when he's seeing the field and, and feeling like he's, you know, 
protected and he's comfortable in the pocket and, you know, and, and seeing the game. Uh, we, we all know Q is very capable of, 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 uh, up some really good numbers and, and putting us in the great situations in our run checks and protections and all of those type of things, and which ultimately puts us in position, position to win the game. Last thought, what is it going to take to get the win in Baltimore against Morgan State uh, to get a share of that MEAC championship? Our mindset just has to be we have to seize the moment. You know, we don't have to do anything over and beyond our heads to bet. Uh, we haven't been doing. Uh, we, we have a process here of preparation, and we just have to do what we do and do it better. Uh, we're not going to deviate from who we are and what our identity is. Um, we have to believe and know that it's good enough. We have to go attack the week, and they've done a tremendous job of that since Sunday uh, from our meetings uh, and then our practices on Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, we got one more here today with it being, you know, a red zone emphasis practice and just really focusing and honing in on the details, uh, the small details and those type of things and, uh, and understanding that, you know, this, this moment is no bigger than any other moment. Uh, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall back on your training and how you've been built. Uh, and, and they're ready for this, and they're built the right way for this. And, uh, it comes down to these games. It comes down to physicality and, and, and execution. Larry Scott, in his third season as the head football coach at Howard, joins us here on Box to Row, the Bison on the road on Saturday at Morgan State with a share of the MEAC championship hanging in the balance. Coach Scott, we appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Bison. Thank you so very much. Appreciate you having us. You've got it, Coach Scott. We'll be back. Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days, all in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. 800-507-3116. 800-507-3116. That's 800-507-3116. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitby, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Let's continue here on the program. 
talk some National Football League here on the show. As I mentioned, big win for the Commanders on last week. A phenomenal football game. Phenomenal football game between the Bills and the Vikings. I mean, it was nip and tuck. Could have gone either way. You thought the game was over. Then it wasn't. The Bills fumble. Still able to get the field goal at the end to tie all kinds of opportunities. I think it was uh, I mean, I haven't seen every game, but for me, of the games that I've seen, that I've been able to kind of review, to me, it was the game of the year. I went 7-6 and six in my picks last week, and as a matter of fact, in that game, I did pick the Vikings. I think the Vikings are playing some outstanding football. I mean, I look at Justin Jefferson. He is spectacular. Kirk Cousins, like I'm not, again, I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins fan, but I think... This could be the year. I mean, I think I think this could be the year that the Vikings make some noise. I mean, when you look across the NFC, it's not great. You know, maybe the maybe the 49ers are making a bit of a surge. I mean, that's a really good win by the 49ers over the Chargers. I actually picked the Chargers in that game who I thought uh was playing some pretty good football and 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 is, but the 49ers are playing a little bit better so I mean if I look at the landscape of the NFC I mean I'm not I mean I think the Seahawks are solid I'm not sold the Eagles are good I I still think the Eagles are the best team Um, the Cowboys mm, showed me something (laughs) in their loss I I, you know Dak Prescott he's okay like you know this is this is my deal with 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 Dak Prescott I go back to the Elliott signing, and this was what three years, three or three maybe four years ago now. When Elliott, they, they Ezekiel Elliott, they finally were able to get the big contract done. You know, I was always of the opinion that you, yeah, maybe maybe you don't pay running backs. I mean, I think that was around the time when people were saying, well, you shouldn't pay a running back this much. But I think if you wanted Dak Prescott to succeed and to be successful. And for that Cowboys offense specifically to be successful, you had to pay Ezekiel Elliott. Well, the year they paid him, the Cowboys paid him, he was okay. But Dak really stepped up and had a good year. It was because of Dak that the the Cowboys had a, you know, the offense at least was good. Then the following year, he gets injuries on the way to having a really good season and he gets injured. He, to me, has not been the same since the injury so I'm not sold on the Cowboys I actually like the Giants better than I like the Cowboys but I think the the uh, the NFC is not great even that said I think your two best teams are the Eagles and the Vikings and the records are reflective of that thought so let's look let me give you some of my predictions. let me give you my predictions for week 11 in the National Football League, I went 7-6 and six on last week. We'll kick things off with the Bears and the Falcons. So I picked the Falcons last week against the Panthers. And the Falcons are, are a funny football team. Like, that NFC South, I mean, I think Tampa Bay is going to take it by default at this point because the Falcons have had opportunities to take it. Uh, the the Saints early on, but I, I you know you know the Falcons really the team that really has had the opportunity to take advantage just hasn't gotten it done. The Bear, meanwhile, the Bears 
you know, Justin Fields, I, I get all of that. And, and he's playing, you know, he, he, he had a game last week, no doubt about it. I, I'm going to go with the Bears over the Falcons. I, I just don't like the, the, the inconsistency of the Falcons. At least you know what you're getting from the Bears. And I think because you know, I, for me, I like the Bears over the Falcons in Atlanta. The Eagles and the Colts. So the Colts, great win. I mean, I, I, was, I had no problem with the Jeff Saturday hire. Um, I think sometimes it's not all about the play calling. I think sometimes you have to you go outside of the box, and that's what the Colts did, and hired a guy that knows football is about the Colts. I thought it was a good move. Um, I think the Eagles bounce back. They're going to refocus coming off the loss against the Commanders, and I like the Eagles over the Colts in Indy. The Jets and the Patriots. So the Jets are real. The Jets are for real, right? Despite the injuries, some key injuries, especially in the running game and on the offensive line, still good. Zach Wilson is he's okay, but, you know, it's that defense has been really, really good for the Jets. Meanwhile, I look at the Patriots. I'm not impressed. I mean, they're going to win some games, and they probably won some games. They, You know, you didn't think they would win. I'm going to go with the Jets over the Patriots in Foxborough. The Commanders and the Texans, so the Texans aren't very good. The Commanders are rising. I think, as I mentioned before, the defense for the Commanders is what has been um, been solid, I, I think. And, um, you know, Taylor Heineke has been good. The offensive line has been better. A lot of weapons, good running game. I definitely like the Commanders over the Texans in Houston. The Rams and the Saints. So hard football game to predict because both football teams are not only bad football teams right now, but are disappointing football teams. Expected a lot more from the Saints, still beset by injuries. Uh, The Rams are just not a good football team, still living off the Super Bowl from last year. This is a hard game to pick because both teams are so bad. I I think I'm going to go, you know, the Rams are just – Really bad. And I'm going to go with the Saints over the Rams in New Orleans. The Bills and the Browns. So the Bills, I mean, yeah, Bills are good, no doubt. Tough loss last week. The Browns are, are have been disappointing. Uh, you, you know, you can talk about Brissett, but you've got a, a running game and you've got a defense. And, and, and the defense in particular you know, for whatever reason, the Browns just haven't won football games like they should have. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I can't see the Bills losing to the Browns. I've got the Bills over the Browns in Buffalo. The Panthers and the Ravens. So the Panthers are funny because they should have. The Panthers should have won that game going back a couple of weeks ago against the Falcons, were it not for DJ Moore taking his helmet off after the touchdown, causing for a 48-yard extra point attempt that probably would have won the Panthers the game. They would have won that football game, would have been right in contention. Not, you know, the NFC South isn't great, but I just think Tampa's probably going to surge right now. Um, the Ravens, solid. I mean, you know, what what more can you say? Not great, but solid. And, you know, the Panthers, I, I, I just don't, you know, Panthers are doing the best that the Panthers can do, but it's not going to be enough to overcome the Ravens. I like the Ravens over the Panthers in Baltimore. The Giants and the Lions. So I really like the way that the Giants are playing. I've liked the Giants for several years now. Uh, they they just had they just didn't have the right coach. Brian Dayball now in there as the coach. 
The defense is solid. I always thought it was. I, I, I'm, you know, Daniel Jones has been solid to me, but it's been Saquon Barkley has been the difference. The Lions, yeah, good win last week, but you know, not not going to be good enough to overcome the Giants. I like the Giants over the Lions in Jersey. Broncos and the Raiders. Whew. Boy, this was probably supposed to be a game that would have implications in the AFC West. Both teams have been bad uh, this year, really bad, uh, especially bad. It, it, you know, this is a hard game to pick because both teams are so bad. I watched the Raiders and the Colts last week. Um, you know, I, I think I think Russell Wilson finds a way to win this game, even though he hasn't played well. I like the Broncos over the Raiders in Denver. The Cowboys and the Vikings. So this is the game, right? So to me, this is the game that to me define will define both football teams and how good both football teams really are. Uh, I look at the Cowboys, lost last week, inexcusable really to lose to Green Bay, who is just not, you know, lost on Thursday night. Uh, no shame in that, by, by the way, losing to the uh, Titans. It's just not a very good football team. Meanwhile, I look at the the Vikings, and the Vikings just find ways to win games. They found a way to beat the Commanders, found a way uh, to win last week against the Bills. And I like what the, the, the momentum that the Vikings have. I mean, I get it. You know, Cowboys defense, good, all that. I definitely like the Vikings over the Cowboys in Minnesota. The Bengals and the Steelers. Hmm. So the Steelers coming off a nice win last week. I mean, you know, albeit against the Saints, but still a nice win. I picked the Saints in that game uh, because, you know, both teams weren't very good. You know, I, I just think if the Bengals want to continue to, to to stay in contention and try to repeat, they, they've just had an up-and-down season, which has been a bit of a surprise with all of the weapons, uh, you know, that the Bengals have. I, I realize there's some injuries there. I mean, I just think, you know, AFC North game, the Steelers just aren't very good. I, I, like, def, I like the Bengals in this game, not by much, over the Steelers in Pittsburgh. The Chargers and the Chiefs, that is the Sunday night game. The Chargers are just so inconsistent. When you think that they're playing well, they lose. And, you know, no shame to lose to the 49ers. But, you know, again, I go back to the beginning of the season when everybody was saying how great the Chargers were going to be and Justin Herbert. And, I, you know, I was always in the stance, listen, Justin Herbert definitely has talent. Chargers haven't been to, hadn't been to the playoffs in his previous two years. I realized his first year was a rookie year. Uh, I'm just not sold on the Chargers. Meanwhile, the Chiefs have been consistent all season long. It's Patrick Mahomes, and that offense is really, really good. Defense is solid. I definitely like the Chiefs over the Chargers in L.A. The Monday night game, the Cardinals and the 49ers. So, <laughs> the Cardinals, I, yeah, you know, somebody had to win the game last week the Cardinals and the Rams, right? The Cardinals haven't been good at all. All of the off-season stuff with Kyler Murray in the contract and what was written in the contract and all of that. And, I mean, I'm not putting it on him per se. He hasn't been very good, but it's not all on him. Uh, the Cardinals, you know, I'm just not, I, I'm, I'm, I don't, Cardinals, I'm not sold on the Cardinals. Meanwhile, the 49ers, are, you know, to me in that next tier in the NFC. You know, you talk about the Eagles to me. You talk about Minnesota to me. 
the uh, the uh, Vic, uh, excuse me, the uh, 49ers are in that next tier. No way. Well, I shouldn't say that, but definitely like the 49ers over the Cardinals in Arizona. I got to get ready to run here on Box to Row. Thank you to Fayetteville State head football coach Richard Hayes, to Howard head football coach Larry Scott for joining us on the program. For more information on Box to Row, you can log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. Also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And always remember to support those that support Yo, Box to Row is produced by DW Communications. Don't stop. Yes, yes, y'all.